Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. For this episode, our guest is Scott Hunter. Scott is a former NFL quarterback who played for eight seasons for the Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, Atlanta Falcons, and Detroit Lions, retiring in 1980. Before his NFL career, he was a starting quarterback for the Paul Bear Bryant-led Alabama Crimson Tide. He's one of only five Alabama quarterbacks to throw for 400 yards in a game. He returned to Mobile after his NFL career ended to become a sport broadcaster for nearly two decades. And he still is in the industry as he's a co-host for Talking Football on WNSP 105.5 FM. I hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Scott Hunter. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I don't know if I've been uh, this excited about a guest in a long time. I was fortunate to meet this gentleman a few weeks back uh, in his native Mobile, Alabama, of course, right across the bay from where I'm from in Robertsdale, Alabama, where I grew up. And uh, this guy is... uh, really uh, well known in the mobile area but also uh a former crimson tide uh football quarterback there at university of alabama and a former nfl player and a sport broadcaster uh currently as well and i grew up with this guy watching him on wkrg channel five sports and uh i'm really excited to have scott hunter as our guest for this podcast scott welcome to the podcast oh great to be on tim thanks for inviting me Oh, well, I appreciate you uh, being willing to come on. And, uh, you know, it, this is something uh, when I think back to the years of growing up in, in Baldwin County and, and watching uh, the news every night and, of course, seeing you on the sports uh, and the fact that I'm getting a chance to interview, that's pretty cool. Of course, I got a chance to meet you a few weeks back, which is really an honor as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, there's a lot that goes with Scott Hunter, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'll flip it over to you. Why don't you just ask questions? Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that way I, I just want to go on and on, but you ask specific questions. So you got it. I can do that. The ball, okay. is, the ball is yours. You got it. Well, I can definitely do that. So obviously, you know, you, you went to Viger high school in Mobile and, and had a, a great uh, high school career there. And uh, of course uh, you've been, Obviously, uh, NFL quarterback and and in the sports broadcasting world. I mean, you uh, you are in Mobile now, and so tell me a little bit about really. I mean, you've been uh, around the block in sports, and you know uh, when you think about going back to the beginning. I mean, how did you get your start in sports? Well, I was growing up in Loosedale, Mississippi, uh, with living with my grandparents and. I just picked up the football one day and started throwing it at a young and early age and noted that I was pretty good at throwing it and hitting things with it. And so therefore I started proverbially throwing the football through the swinging tire from the tree and got better at it and better at it. And obviously that's what proved to be uh, my uh, Malcolm Gladwell moment of getting my 10,000 hours started and getting good at something. 
<laughs> well, sure. And, you know, obviously getting good at it uh, led you to the University of Alabama, where you played for the legendary Bear Bryant. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Well, of course, playing in Alabama is a great challenge. There are great players there, great quarterbacks there. Uh, people like Joe Namath that preceded me. So, but I enjoyed the challenge and I enjoyed playing in Alabama. Of course, Coach Bryant uh, was at the peak of his coaching career at the time. So, just a great experience being able to play at a school like that and in the Southeastern Conference, highly competitive conference. Uh, so, you know, it's just, you, you, as a football player, you want to play at the highest levels against the best players. And that's what I got an opportunity to do. Sure. And growing up in Loosedale, obviously you, you, you threw a football and learned how to do that. Were you involved in a lot of other sports growing up like most kids from South Alabama? No, uh, played baseball, of course, like all kids did at a young age, uh, little league baseball, but once, I started throwing that football. Uh, the coaches that were coaching me wouldn't let me go near any other sports. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, one question I would have, and of course, being a uh, Gulf Coast native myself, uh, I'd ask you this question. Uh, we have listeners from all over the world, all over the United States. Tell our listeners how much of a passion football is to South Alabama folks. Well, the state of Alabama, the entire state is pretty much divided up. Uh, there are no NFL teams in Alabama. It's pretty much divided up. Not pretty much. It is divided up between supporters of Auburn University and University of Alabama. And so you're asked when you come to Alabama, when you move here, well, who are you for, Auburn or Alabama? And that pretty much <laughs> is the way that is. Yeah, and I, that's something I've spoken with uh, to people on a number of occasions, uh, folks, uh, even in my international travels, I'm like, where they've talked about their biggest events, say the Gaelic football or Gaelic curling finals in Ireland uh, with so many people. I'm like, well, imagine this, but even more so for the Iron Bowl. Um, but also in high school football, uh, growing up in, in the Mobile area, obviously, uh, you know, that and I know growing up across the bay in Baldwin County, the big Robert Steele Foley rivalry, uh, such as it was, we didn't win as many times as we should, uh, we wanted to. Um, but I mean, high school football, you covered it for many years. Uh, it's such a, uh, a passion for folks down there. Uh, tell the listeners, if you don't mind, just uh, how, how big it is in, in, in Alabama as far as high school football is concerned. Well, of course, I think most football fans have seen the Friday Night Lights movie, uh, which depicted high school football in Texas. But you could say Friday Night Lights just did not exist only in Texas. It exists in Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Mississippi. And so there's a lot of southern states that certainly share the Friday Night Lights um, games if you will so it's a big sport uh, throughout this part of the nation and i don't think there'll ever be uh, another sport to, to that'll be bigger yeah i would agree with you i know and i coached in over 600 basketball games in my career uh, over the last 30 years and i can say that the most uh 
electric moment of my sports career was running out uh, in the maroon and gold for the, the Foley game. Uh, it, it was just, there's nothing like it. And I, you know, I think that when you go to two small towns like Foley and Robertsdale, for instance, and everyone in town is at the game, you know, uh, it, it just was such an incredible uh, thing to see growing up. Um, along those lines, you know, uh, the, the, the name of the podcast is Holding a Ladder in Sport and Leadership. So you obviously have had people hold the ladder for you to climb to greater heights than you ever thought possible. Who are some of those people? Well, of course, I've had people all along, you know, starting my days and growing up in Loosedale, Mississippi, like the Buddy Sellers, who on the, the weekly George County Times was a big supporter. Uh, and then, of course, I've got to Viger High School and Coach Glenn Yancey, um, who was a more of an offensive minded passing coach, really helped me. I was lucky to land there with a guy who understand understood the passing system more sophisticated passing system and Viger had the athletes that could run and catch the ball. So I was lucky in that respect uh, to have players around me uh, who could accent my talents and skills and all, you know, playing quarterback is, is all about not how good you are, but how good can you make the people around you? And consequently I had people around me, they were pretty good that I could help make a little better. So that's sort of how it all worked together. Right. And I mean, in, in talking about, and of course, bring up coach Bryant and everything, uh, you know, how did he hold the ladder for you? Well, of course, the biggest thing about coach Bryant is uh, the challenge of playing for him. You weren't going to play for him until he knew that you were a winning quarterback. You could have all the other skills, uh, being able to throw a football and so forth. Uh, and he told me one time, you're a great passer, but you can't play here until you learn how to win. And so I, consequently, I realized that this was more about just completing passes and looking pretty. It was about winning football games. And so consequently, that was a if you want to call it a step up the ladder, uh, that was certainly a step up the ladder. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people have uh, shared stories through the years about uh, Coach Bryant and how he's impacted their lives and stuff. And uh, obviously the preparation that you received in Tuscaloosa helped you get, you know, the opportunity, of course, talent made a huge difference to natural given talent, but work hard work talent uh, to get into the national football league. Uh, and, uh, how many years did you play in the NFL? Played eight years in the NFL, mostly with the green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And, and you spent, uh, you were with the bills too. And, and, um, uh, one other team I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Detroit lions, my last Lions. year. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, that must've been something to, uh, to play in Lambeau field and to oh, be in that community. Yeah. Well, uh, I would joke when I would go around Wisconsin and speak at banquets and sort of similar things that uh, Wisconsin is nothing but a Southern state with a funny accent. <laughs> that's the only difference in, in the people, <laughs> I would point to them, only difference in you, the people of Wisconsin and the people of Alabama, because you both 
have a great love for football, one for its college football teams and one for its Green Bay Packers. So that was always met with a, a hearty laugh and, and applause. Yeah, I was fortunate about eight years ago to tour Lambeau Field and spend a night in Green Bay. And uh, it was right when they were getting started with uh, fall camp. And uh, it was really neat to be able to really just uh, the, the history and the mystique of Lambeau Field, but also the support of a basically a, a community, a community owned team. It's pretty interesting that way. Yeah, the only NFL team that is owned by the fans. Uh, in fact, I have a share of stock on my wall uh, that I bought this year. So uh, it's, it's very different. I think uh, the fans, no matter where, where you go to Milwaukee or uh, Eau Claire or wherever you may be, you'll look up on the uh, on the wall, say a, a nice bar or something. There is a big framed sheriff stock of the Green Bay Packers. So it truly is not just a local team, but a statewide team. Yeah. I've always been intrigued by that completely. And, you know, you, you've had such a long career, not only as a, a very high level athlete, but also as a, in the sport broadcasting world, you still do sport broadcasting. So uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your job now, I mean, you're in the financial services industry now, and you have been for a long time, but how do you, how do you basically balance the two? Is it a hard challenge for you to balance broadcasting well, uh, and your job? When I, yeah. When I was doing sports broadcasting, I came out of the NFL and then the local CBS affiliate here in Mobile hired me uh, to do sports, both sports anchor and sports reporting. And of course, most of that reporting as we spoke about in this state involves Alabama and Auburn football, where the true interest is. So um, what I tried to do, Tim, was always tell the viewer the truth about what I saw and what I was evaluating. And I always kept it between the sidelines, meaning uh, it didn't matter to me who was dancing with who last Saturday night. I wanted to talk about the, what the players and the coaches had done on the field and of course show the viewer the video. So that was the way I approached it, a pretty simple approach, but it, I thought it was fairly successful in the ratings, of course, that's the whole proverbial gold of television, certainly proved that out. Yes, and, and where you're at, you know, if you don't talk about Alabama or Auburn, you don't get ratings, it's just that simple. Um, so uh, one thing just popped into my head was uh, a big time tradition in the Mobile area, and that's the uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, tell the uh, the listeners a little more about the Senior Bowl. Did you play in the Senior Bowl? Yes, I played in the Senior Bowl in 1971. Uh, I'd gone to many Senior Bowls, like you probably did as a, as a kid growing up in um, Mississippi, and I'd come down to Mobile to see my mother and go to the Senior Bowls. So I'd been to many of them and seen many players, including Joe Namath and, and so forth. So it was a truly an honor to be able to play in a game that I'd attended starting when I was eight, nine, 10 years old. Uh, so, but it brings all of the best players in college football that are going into the NFL. And that's the only reason they're chosen to play in the game is because of their NFL possibilities and future, because every 
team in the NFL has scouts and coaches here, you know, observing the players. So it makes it sort of a special event, probably no place in, 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 in the nation do that many NFL players or playing a player personnel and scouts and coaches get together at one time in a short period of time uh, to see players. Yeah. I, I, I remember uh, one time being in Magnolia Springs across the Bay and I believe it was Jerry Burns, who was the coach of the Vikings. I believe that was who it was. Yes. Yep, yeah. Yep. I, I was just, I stopped in a restaurant there with my family and there's Jerry Burns just sitting here having dinner around the time of the senior bowl. And I just thought that that was really kind of neat, you know, especially as a, a young football fan at that time to see these big uh, names, these coaches and whatever uh, in our area. So that was uh, really something. Um, now you've been involved with sports for years and years. And of course, being in the broadcasting world and, uh, and also being a leader as a quarterback um, of the teams you played for, Here's a question. What skills do you consider to be essential for success as a sports professional? You know, it could be any area of sports. It could be, you know, broadcasting. It could be marketing. It could be coaching. It could be administration. It could be anything. What, what are some of the skills that you think are essential? Well, I think obviously, Tim, preparation is everything. Uh, like playing a game in college football on Saturday, you know, you start scouting the other team and looking at, though in those days, film of the other team, now video, and start putting your plan together and talking to the coaches about what to do in certain situations and all. So mentally, you've played the game many times in your mind uh, before Saturday, in this case. You've played the game so many times in your mind that it's almost like deja vu when you're playing in a game, when you want to call a play or run a play that you've uh, thought about in this particular situation and played it out through your mind and seen yourself completing the pass to the receiver and so forth. So uh, a lot of mental stuff goes on. It's just not step out there and, and something's going to happen. It's make the mental preparation Monday through Friday and then you can make something happen on Saturday. Yeah, well, and, you know, one of the things that would you say, how would you prepare, how do you prepare for broadcasting? How did you do it all those years? Well, broadcasting, as I said earlier, if you don't try to fool the viewer, uh, just telling the truth, the viewer, uh, and showing what, what you're, you know, what he's seeing on television, obviously about a play or uh, something that you got good video on and telling the truth about what you thought you saw and what you thought the coach did right or wrong or the player did right or wrong. And the player or the, uh, the viewer might not like it or appreciate it, particularly if it's his particular team you're having to critique. But then again, you gain credibility with the, viewer because he knows that you're not going to try to smudge uh, things a little bit for this team or that team. You're going to tell it like it is. Yes, absolutely. And when I, one of my favorite quotes uh, from coach Bryant regarding preparation is uh, it's something I've thought about for years. It's not the will to, 
when it matters, everyone has that. It's the will to prepare to when it matters. It sounds like you've done your part through the years. I learned my lesson. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, okay, so obviously, uh, being an NFL quarterback and uh, former Alabama great, and you know, obviously, is something that got you recognition, uh, the, the talent you had, and everything. But I'm sure that through the years, you've had to do your your own share of some networking. Uh, how do you approach networking? Is that a hard thing for you to do? Well, certainly not. I mean, you're sort of unique. Um, everybody knows you, particularly in this part of the world. Everybody knows you for the most part, particularly if you play quarterback at the University of Alabama in any modern period. Everybody knows your name, but as far as transitioning to television, uh, obviously they know your name, but then again, you've got to go out and prove that you can do what you need to do to be successful in this next thing. So just because they know your name and like you or like what you did when you played at uh, Alabama in this case, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful in the next uh, business, if you will, unless you use those same things you learned to play football for Coach Bryant, you know, preparation, hard work, and make something happen. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because so many times people think that you get your foot in the door and uh, that's it. You got to keep your foot in the door. You got to get yourself in the house, right? You have to be, if you, if you don't, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that know uh, folks, but it really means you have to put the work in, right? I mean, uh, have you known uh, folks in the in your lifetime that you know have done a good job of networking, but just didn't do the work? I mean, I know I do. Well, you know, it's kind of like a, a performer, like let's say the the band the Eagles. If you buy a ticket to go see the band the Eagles, um, you're going to see from what I've read about them. I haven't seen them, but my wife has seen in New York City, you're going to hear a great band and you're going to hear Don Henley sing all those great songs and they're going to give you a great performance. So it doesn't matter when or where you saw the Eagles, you're going to see the best of the Eagles that you can possibly see. And so consequently, what they do is they go out and they perform at the top of their game uh, every time they get on that stage. And I think uh, the same stands true <clears throat> for anyone that's trying to move up and be a business, sports professional of that nature, is when you get a chance to get on the proverbial stage, that gives you an opportunity to perform. And if you perform, good things happen. I completely agree with you. And, and again, it goes back to the preparation though, because performance takes practice, right? You have to be able to, to have those things down uh, pat. So um, one question I would have, I mean, obviously the, uh, uh, the, the world that you're in, as far as your, your business is in the financial industry. And I mean, how, how has your playing, uh, college football and the NFL being in broadcasting, how has that impacted your, your business? I mean, has that helped you be a better professional in that area? Well, uh, going back to what we were talking about, when I moved out of uh, sports broadcasting, 
my uh, degree at Alabama was in finance. And so I had always thought that I would be in some sort of financial uh, services or some sort of thing. I had worked for my cousin when he was on the old American stock exchange. So I kind of thought I would be in this business, but it got interrupted by some 20 years of doing television sportscasting. But it was the same thing, Tim, when I came into this business. Everybody knew who I was, particularly in this area. But the idea was, well, okay, I know you. I know who you are. I've known you as being a good football player and a good sportscaster, but can you manage my money? <laughs> so uh, you have to make a, a transition in careers and prove to people that you, you, know, you can manage their money. Yeah. Well, something just popped uh, into my mind, you know, a lot of there and that is end of career. You know, it's, it's something that, that identity is a, a difficult thing when you go from a, I would assume, I know as a collegiate athlete myself, uh, my identity didn't change as much because I went into coaching, but a lot of people that are high level athletes, uh, struggle with that transition. I mean, was, it doesn't sound like that was as big of a challenge for you or was it? No, well, of course, it was a challenge, obviously, because uh, I knew what I had to do in this case, uh, prove to people that certainly if you invested money with uh, not just me, but I've got a, a great company I work with, Raymond James uh, Financial Services. So I had a great company with me that was a tremendous amount of help as I got up to speed and all. But, you know, people want to see, again, back to that deal about, performance they want to see again if you can perform so you know you go from high school football to college football to nfl football to sports broadcasting and all of those are a little different but the thing that wasn't different was and is when you get on the stage you have to perform and the same is true for the business I decided to get into after my sports broadcasting days, which was financial services and investment management. Right. And now you are still involved on, on uh, WNSP there in uh, Mobile, correct? I do yeah, one radio show called Talking, T-A-L-K-I-N, apostrophe, football that we do during the fall and some during the spring. And we just talk about football and mostly Alabama and Auburn football. Uh, a friend joins me who played football at Auburn with Coach Dye, so he handles the Auburn stuff, so I don't have to critique anybody else but Alabama. <laughs> and uh, so the show's been on for us. Since I got out of the NFL in 80, we've been doing the show. So I guess people enjoy it. Well, sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, WNSP is a, a legendary sports talk show or talk uh, radio uh, station. I remember uh, in college, it was a big deal for us. And uh, actually, uh, quote, a real quick story, a college buddy of mine actually won a trivia contest on WNSP and won tickets to the 93 uh, Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare. And he had a chance to sell the tickets. I was with him. He had two tickets. He had a chance to sell the tickets for $1,100. And he's like, Tim, what are you going to, what should I do? I said, dude, I've been waiting on my whole life to go to this game. If I, if you sell these, I'm going to beat you up. Cause this is exactly, <laughs> I've been waiting for this my whole life, man. No, let's go. And of course that, that was the game, uh, you know, the, the year when Auburn was, uh, on probation, uh, 
one of the years uh and uh you know uh the 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 auburn win there at jordan hair but just to be able to go to the game was something else and uh I, the next question hey, yeah go ahead i've seen i've said to many people when I, something like that comes up should i sell this or get rid of that and do this or do that. And I said, well, which one do you think in five years will be more important to you? The money or the memory? Gosh. And, and I've seen a lot of people go, man, I've never heard it said like that, but you're right. The memory is going to be a whole lot more important than if I get a few hundred dollars for this game or that ticket or something of that nature. <laughs> Oh, wow. What a great uh, piece of advice. I know I mean, it's 29 years ago when I went to that game and I'm still talking about it. It was a really cool yeah. experience. And, and, and if, if the, your friend had taken the $1,100, uh, I'll assure you, uh, a, a month after he did it, he likely wouldn't have known what he did with the money or, or remember. <laughs> That's the <laughs> truth, probably. Absolutely. Um you know, I, I have a hunch. I know the answer to this next question from you, but I'm, uh, I'll ask, uh, you know, what's one piece of advice that you give to someone who's deciding to start a career in sports? You've been talking about uh, uh, several things that keep popping up, but uh, what, what's that one piece of advice? Well, I, when you say sports, you mean active, being active in sports, playing? Uh, or, well, yeah, in a career. Yeah, in a career. So, so like uh, in a sport management career and sport broadcasting, administration, you know, whatever you, uh, whatever the business of sports is. I mean, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd potentially give to someone? Well, there again, back to there, there is no substitute for work and preparation. Um, you know, if you go out and know what you're doing and perform again, uh, good things are going to happen. Somebody is going to notice hey, this kid can do this or that fella can do that. And so when people notice, then the next thing will come. You don't have to worry too much about what, what it'll, it'll be, but it is going to come if, if you perform. What was that old adage about 90% uh, of it is just showing up? Well, I'll add the 10%, show up and perform. <laughs> well and that's exactly it and uh, for those listening uh, wherever you are you know scott has some great advice i mean really the biggest thing when it comes down to this industry and really climbing the ladder to great success is proper preparation effort and performing on the stage whatever that stage may be and uh you know we've heard that throughout the interview today and uh that's uh that's uh, very clear, and I appreciate you sharing that, Scott. Um, the last question that I ask, uh, I may have one more real quick one after this, but um, how do you hold the ladder for others? How do you help people climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible in their lives? Well, there's been many situations I had, like, well, talking to uh, young quarterbacks uh, at Alabama and Auburn uh, back in my sportscaster days. Uh, and they would talk about, boy, the pressure here and so many people and everybody knows your name and so forth and so on. I said, well, you know, if you don't enjoy that and you don't like it, there's just no way you're going to be successful at it because in the state of Alabama, when football season starts, nobody cares about who their mayor is or who their congressman is or who their senator is. 
all they care about is who's the quarterback at Alabama and Auburn. So you just accept it and, and enjoy it. So that's one way I, I've given some advice to college football quarterbacks in our state. Yeah. Well, and it, it is truly a, a coveted position, but also uh, one that is, you know, I always say, and you, you hear it from a lot of people in this industry that athletes and sports leaders live in glass houses and everyone sees what you do. And, you know, uh, that can be important for anyone, especially in this industry, because our reputation matters greatly. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that the things that you brought to the table today in our, in our discussion are all things that if you do those things well, then you have an opportunity to be successful. It doesn't guarantee it, but it's something that could potentially help you be successful. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I've I told uh, many of high school and college players, and even the NFL player, you can't win every game, but you can play well in every game if you are prepared. Yeah, it's very John Wooden-esque, you know, the UCLA great coach. Uh, he's very focused on giving the very best effort and and you have opportunity to be successful. It doesn't, uh, but I've always felt like, you know, even as a runner, my, at this age at 52, uh, competing in the, in the senior games, uh, when did I become 52? And I, you know, it's like, when, when did that happen? But the <laughs> fact, <laughs> but the fact that I'm, you know, still giving the effort, uh, gives me a chance to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, uh, your advice today has been very sage and uh, learned and, and very uh, good. So thank you for that. Um, one, one question, and I'm sure you get these questions all the time and uh, I'll ask, do you have a favorite coach Bryant story? Well, interesting people thought that coach Bryant was, you know, sort of, sort of always kick them in the butt type guy and rough and gruff and all, but with quarterbacks, it was totally a different story. Uh, he kind of carried us around on a silver platter, um, all of us back through Namath, you name it, and because he wanted the players on the team to respect the quarterback out on the field at the time because he knew the quarterback was just an extension of him. So a lot of time spent with Coach Bryant was in discussions on strategy and that sort of thing. And it wasn't so much him with a bullhorn yelling at me on the practice field about throwing a bad pass or something. He never did that. Uh, he'd yell at a guard or a linebacker or something of that nature, even an assistant coach. He didn't like what he was saying, but quarterbacks never got yelled at and pretty much, uh, you know, were held in a, a kind of a different respect. Uh, trying to think of a good way to say it. They, they're held in a different way. Uh, I know that uh, <laughs> we were playing Clemson up at Clemson and we hadn't run the ball well during the season and Tennessee had beaten us the week before in Birmingham. We just couldn't run the ball. So we worked all week on running the football. And <laughs> when we got up to Clemson, I looked at them running down that hill and they shot that cannon off and man, they were big. It was an all orange, you know, the pants, jerseys and helmets. So, Anyway, we got the first play and I broke the huddle and I was walking the line of scrimmage and I looked at their nose guard 
And I got down under center and he was looking me eyeball to eyeball. And I looked down, he had his hand on the ground and he was almost as tall as me in a kind of a semi-squat that quarterbacks get into. And I thought, man, this guy's big. So I turn around and give the ball to Johnny Musso. Again, we're going to run the ball this week. And I give the ball to Musso and he comes out faster than he went in. Oh my goodness, you know, there was no way our offensive line could handle them. They, you know, they were 275, 265 across the front, you know, which is now kind of routine or a little smaller. But now in those days, you know, 260, 270, that was a big defensive lineman. And our, our 220 pound guards and centers and all couldn't handle them. So anyway, the next play is second 10. I break the line. I come out and I look over there and they're in man to man. Well, I didn't expect to see man to man on second and long. So I called a quick out to George Ranniger and hit him. And he breaks away from the cornerback runs for about 25. And I said, you know, so I'm going to check the other cornerback and see how good he is. So the next play, I call a quick out to David Bailey and I hit him. He jukes their cornerback and he goes for 25. The next play, uh, audible to a post to David, hit him for a touchdown. And so I come off the field and the offensive line coach is right in my face. Scott, Scott, we're supposed to run the ball. The plan is to run the ball. We got to run the ball, run the ball. And he just chewing me out in my right ear and Coach Bryant standing right beside me in my left ear. He didn't say anything. And finally the offensive line coach got through and he went back to get the offensive line and Coach Bryant kind of, leaned over and made sure nobody else could hear. He said, keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) 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 If we're running up, trying to run the ball, we'd still be up there trying to score. We won the game like 38 to 14. (laughs) So so that was coach Bryant. You know, he knew what I knew that these guys were big up front, but they weren't very good in the secondary. And we had to take advantage of what they weren't very good at. So, <laughs> wow. Well, and you know, you, uh, you held, a but, uh, the single game passing record for the tide uh, up until last year when Bryce Young broke that record. Uh, I'm just glad you did it against Auburn. That, that, that's the thing I was the happiest to hear. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to speak with me today. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm honored to, first of all, have had the chance to meet you face to face over a meal uh, a few weeks back um, on my visit back home. But uh, also, I just uh, thank you for, uh, I don't know, being an example for a kid from Robertsdale, Alabama in the late 80s about how to present sports in a way that had no political lean, had no, it was all about the facts. And uh, I always appreciated it. And I do think that even watching uh, you during those years helped me want to get into the sport industry. So thank you uh, for well, being Tim, an example. You know sports is so important uh, to Americans. And I had to go seven or 8,000 miles to find out how important it was. I was over in the Soviet Union back in the summer of 1991 on the Sister Cities Exchange Mobile, Alabama, and Rostov on Don, who a lot of your listeners probably now recognize because of the Ukraine thing going on, uh, was that our sister city. So we went over there and I'd asked to speak to a, a Russian military group. 
And the mayor, I'd given the mayor of Rostov a flight in my Cessna down over Gulf Shores and Orange Beach, and he just was blown away by all that. So he reciprocated by getting me a chance to, to visit with a Russian military unit. And <clears throat> afterwards, when I'd spoken to him with the interpreter afterwards, the officers and all had me for, you know, the proverbial vodka, if you will, after. And so one of the Russian colonels spoke good English, and he told me as a captain, he had been assigned to the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., and his family wasn't there. And so on Friday nights, he told me he would go out to the scholastic games. Of course, what he was talking about, as we spoke about earlier, was high school football. And he said something that really struck me. He said, you Americans have something that our young men don't have. You have football. And I, man, I often thought I went seven or 8,000 miles to find out what football really meant to America. And a Russian had to tell me. It's amazing what you can learn. You know, I think... I so appreciate that story. What an incredible story. And I, it's amazing how we can find out things in places like I've learned so much in my experiences in Ireland. And it, like you said, it took going thousands of miles away to really understand how important in that, this case, football is. And I, I know that it mattered a great deal to me and it still does. I'm looking forward to our opener here uh, pretty soon with the tide and um, but I do appreciate you I thank you so much for uh, taking time today to meet with me you bet Tim all right roll you tide go. roll tide absolutely so thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of the holding a ladder in sport and leadership podcast we look forward to seeing you in our next episode have a great week Thanks for listening, and until our next episode, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible. Mm-hmm.